another episode of Mr. Badger Talks to Utter Scum. And I'm here with a new friend, Mrs. Shirley Monkfish. How's it going, Shirley? What? Is it Shirley? No. What, what's your name? Susan Murray. Su- Susan Monkfish? No, Murray. As in the mint. Murray Mint? Yes. Yeah. That reminds me of school. Yeah, they make your breath smell nice, don't they? Uh, apparently so. And is that my teeth are fucked, so. Is that because you've been eating too many Murray Mints? Well, eating too many uh, 1970s celebrity assholes. So, and um, what do they taste like? Uh, what does Fame. Oh, right. The taste of fame. What's, what does fame taste like? Uh, regret. <laughs> That's what it tastes like to me, because as soon as all the allegations come out, they don't talk to you anymore, you know. Do they not? No. Oh, who's they... blanking you then? All of them. Oh, yeah. dear. I haven't had a phone call off Bruce Forsyth in years, I tell you. Oh, maybe he's run out of credit. <laughs> it might be, it might be. But then again, I don't have a phone, so there is that. Ah, so, right, yes, that, yeah. could be a, that could be something to do with it. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's lovely to speak to you, Susan. Uh, you are here today, from what I understand, to teach me about death. Yes, death. Yeah. Not stage death, real death, proper death. Actual, actual death. As in, like, as in can't breathe anymore, death. <laughs> no, okay. So uh, is it a specific type of death? Yeah, um, I'm going to teach you how not to die in a plane crash. Okay. Have you been on a plane? No. Never, never? No. Oh, I my. swim everywhere. All right. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Nice one. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, you don't know what a plane's like? I've, I've seen them. Okay. Yeah. How far away were they? Were they in the sky? Well, that's it. It, it was hard to tell, really, because uh, I, I was... I was at an airport, but there was none in the air. So I, I was a distance away, but I don't know what they do or the dangers of. Right, OK. Well, they fly the, in the air like a bird does. Like a bird. Yes. Um, and they have, um, they have like, rockets under their armpits. Lasers. Yeah. Not, no, just rockets. <laughs> OK. Engines. Yeah. Um, engines. And, um, yeah, and that's, that's how they fly, because the wings, it's all, like, magic on the wings. There's magical wings. That, yeah, that's how they fly. Yeah. My ex-girlfriend had magical wings and her panty liners. Um, what was magic about then? I don't know. They stopped all the stuff coming out from what I can gather. The stuff. The stuff. You know, the, the, you're a woman. You should know the bits. The stuff. You know, the, the, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what the doctors call it, the stuff. That's it. Oh, I'm, I, I actually used to be a doctor. Oh, really? Yeah. Of, of what? what? What speciality? Badgerology. Badgerology, right. <laughs> so what, of a, um, what does that entail? It just means I get to, you know, teach... Little kids at school about badgers and what we do, and you get the assembly hall to your to yourself. And you anyway, let's move on because I got in trouble for being a badgerology professor. Right, okay. Yeah. Let's, should we um, should we gloss over that? <laughs> yeah, but are, are you uh, an expert then in plain death? Uh, I'm an enthusiast. I wouldn't <laughs> say I'm an, enth- an expert. I mean, I'm a plane crash enthusiast. Yeah. Have you got a favourite plane crash? I didn't. I didn't know there was a favourite plane crash. <laughs> Do I have a favourite time when lots of people died? No, is the answer. Oh. So are, are oh. you? Are you massively into this then? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a documentary series called Air Crash Investigation. <laughs> okay. And it's uh, it's it's been um, it's in its twentieth series. It's been translated into dozens and dozens of different languages, all which sound like this. Ah! Um, so, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's documentary enactment, and um, I've learned a lot about um, surviving a plane crash from watching it. Yeah. Do you use planes a lot, do you? 
Um, I gig abroad quite a lot, yes, so I, I have to, even though I really well, don't like it. I was going to say, does this not fill you with absolute fucking terror then? Because you can see all the warning signs. Yeah, I've, I've, I've made myself extremely scared of flying and I've done that to myself. Well <laughs> done, me. Yeah. And to be fair, like, I suppose the alternative is a boat and they're not very safe, are they? You can die in a boat. I, I haven't got the effort to row. I can't be bothered to row, to be honest. <laughs> I was thinking more technologically advanced, you know, where you've got people rowing for you. I'm not a slave owner. Well, well I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you look the type. You look like you're... Uh... Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> White middle-aged man from the 1800s. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I've learnt lots about um, uh, surviving plane crashes. Um, and do, do, would you know where to sit on a plane to, um, to have a better chance of survival? On the inside. That is absolutely true. To be fair, you wouldn't survive on the outside. And there have been people who have stowed away in <laughs> yeah. planes by running onto the runway and literally like gripping on to where the wheels are, climbing into the bit where the wheels go inside the belly of the, of the plane. And then they've been found dead because you freeze to death because you're six miles up in the air and it's really, really would cold. Would it not crush you anyway? It would crush you. Um, it would pr- you'd probably suffocate because there's not much air up there. <laughs> and, um, and then w- when you're frozen almost to death, when the, when the wheels come down, you're unconscious and you can't grip on anymore. So then you probably <laughs> land through somebody's roof near, oh. Heath, near Heathrow. Oh, well, I suppose if, if you plan it right, you might land in someone's swimming pool and then it's all... If it was heated... Brilliant. Well, I mean, we don't really have swimming pools in the UK, do we? But maybe no. if you were flying to Florida. Yeah, that's it. You, we don't have to go to the UK. I mean, I don't want to be in the UK, so it would be nice to go somewhere nice and warm. Well, you could, or you could just buy a plane ticket. It'd be a lot safer for you. Yeah, I suppose there is that. Are they cheap nowadays? But it depends where you go. Oh, I once went to Ve- I once went to Venice, and uh, the, the ticket was eight pounds. And the tax was 23. Hang on, £8 to get to Venice? It was when um, Ryanair first started doing their ridiculously cheap flights. Yeah. And uh, I went to Venice with a friend of mine. No, you see, to me, straight away I would be looking at that going, I probably am going to die on this plane. (laughs) 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 It was that cheap, they haven't done any maintenance, there's no petrol in it. This is it. They haven't got anyone flying, they've got the cleaner flying the plane. There was no engine, it was just two bikes and people are just pedalling away like madder than flapping. Well, when I first went on a plane, I was seven years old and we were going to the States to visit my auntie and and I said to my mum, how does a plane fly? And my mum said there were pedals in the floor and everyone had to pedal. And I went, but... But how long was the flight to America? She went, it's six and a half hours. And I was thinking, I can't pedal for that long. I mean, he's seven years old. <laughs> and I absolutely believed her, completely hook, line and sinker. Um, and it wasn't until I got on the plane I realised that my mum was a complete and utter bullshit. <laughs> I think that is a common mother trait. Yes, from, yeah. winding kids up. Yeah. Yeah, Although, the, I do remember uh, a chap from my youth, this is a genuine story, a man called... Because <laughs> he is basically retarded but i remember whilst we were at school he thought there was only two countries in the world he thought there was england and america and we were separated by the sea and a giant wall and the only reason why you got on a plane was to fly over the wall so you could get into america because we didn't have ladders no this is it well technically he might be a a man of the future because he's predicted president trump's plan absolutely he could be he could be a genius not a retard we just don't know this is it perhaps he was working with trump for years (laughs) perhaps he saw home alone too (laughs) i went that man i'm gonna send him a letter (laughs) yeah so yeah if you get on a plane right the safest place to sit 
is near the back and in an aisle seat. Yeah. Why do you think that might be? Near the back. Is there no fuel at the back or something? Uh, the fuel is in the wings, which is in the middle. So that is... It yeah. is yeah, but also... Planes are never going to back into a Japanese mountain, are they? They're always going to go head first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and so, and you want to be in an aisle seat because you want to be able to get out and you want to be able to evacuate quickly. Most I evacuate very quickly. I'm sure you do. <laughs> yes. I'm sure you do. Oh, I'll just have some gluten. That'll sort it. <laughs> um, so, um, basically, uh, most plane incidents, 95% of plane crashes and incidents are non-fatal, right? But we only hear about the fatal ones because it's big news. 300 people dying all in one go is always huge news, right? Yeah. And it, it, it kind of taps into that like horrified bit of humans' brains. So, um, most there was a, an incident in July. There was a, an Aeroflot. It took off from Moscow Airport. It got hit by lightning. It lost all these electrics. Now, planes always have like backup systems. Yeah. So, the plane was able to squawk to air traffic control that um, it needed to immediately land in an emergency. It's like a kind of text. It probably said something like, we need to land in an emergency, your mum's a slag. <laughs> so the plane comes back in, but it's landing heavy because it hasn't been able to jettison its fuel and the fuel's all, all in the wings and it weighs, yes. it weighs quite a lot. So it's landing heavy and it bounced on the runway about three times and the back of the plane went on fire. The safest place to sit is near the back. And people were evacuating via the front with their hand luggage. So that's another thing. Don't take your hand luggage because it's all insured. Just yeah. get off the plane because it meant that there were people on that plane going, I know you're all burning to death at the back, but um, I've, got, <laughs> I've got this suitcase from TK Maxx with me birthday money. That's it. I've got me duty free in here. If I'd have been a stewardess on that plane, I'd have been stood at front going, no, not you. You can wait till last. Yeah. And then when everybody was off and there were 45 people dead at the back, I'd have taken all the hand luggage, I'd have put it in a pile, Put a lot of fuel on it and then <laughs> set fire to the entire lot. And the people. Yes, yeah. fuck it, why not? Yeah, well, I, I don't like um, the, one of the famous non-fatal crashes that I've seen recently. was uh, well, There's a film about it, wasn't there, called Sully? Where he had oh, to yeah, the, land. the Miracle on the Hudson. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. it, yeah. So yeah. That, that, that's, I suppose, one of the things that most people, as you say, don't really know about. Because they only knew about it when it became a legal matter. When it got to court, no, it was in all. It was a big. It was big news. I mean, as soon as it happened, it was all over, the, all over the news and all over the world. But they tried to blame Sully they for did. that, didn't they? Yes. They tried to blame, him, and then they did an investigation um, where they tr they always try and recreate the what's happened in a simulator with other pilots to see how they do. And basically, they in the end, um, they basically one one of the women who was working to the NTSB said, "Yeah, but the thing is, these pilots that we've got testing for this." They know it's going to happen. Yes. They're anticipating it. Whereas Sully had no idea it was going to happen. He had something like a minute and a half to react. Couldn't get to another airport and just went. Had to land in the Hudson. And you know it was everyone survived. So he was a hero. But he they tried to put him through the mill and they tried to blame him for well, it. This is why I, my victims. I know I'm going to be all right because when you get trained to fend off an attacker, you, you know the attacker's there. But if if I'm just waiting down a back alley somewhere, nobody's going to know, are they? Well. Maybe not. Probably, as long as you don't speak, you'll be fine. Ah, yeah, it's more me breathing. I'm, I'm a bit of a wheezer oh, when yeah. I get excited. Go on, let's hear what you sound like when you're hiding behind a hedge. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sort of gives the game away normally. Do you know what? I think that rings a bell, actually. Yeah. I, I, I did want to say this is not the first time we've met, so... <laughs> oh, is it really? No! Okay, that's interesting. So you do you, you, you recognise me in this bright light? Yeah, uh, well, yeah. 
It, it's, it's more that you need to wash your curtains because, uh, you know, they, they, they're getting a bit of a state now and I like them when they're more see-through. I don't remember, I don't remember my curtains being outside the window. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what you learn to do when you're uh, a 63-year-old badger. Right, okay. Um... Are you an actual badger or are you just called Mr Badger? I, I'm not a real but My name is Mr Badger. That's my actual birth name. Your birth name. What's your, what's your, what's your Christian name? Terry. TB. Terry. Oh, right. I see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was, I was born Terry Badger and then uh, my father covered me in battery acid one day and it burnt all my skin off. Which is why I now wear the badger outfit. Oh, uh, right. Burnt all your skin off. Yes. Okay. Yes. So are you covered in like gnarly scar tissue? Then? Uh, it's disgusting. I look like a... Uh, like a melted sausage. It's just lumps of fat and gristle. <laughs> mm. well, Thanks for laughing at my pain. Okay. Um, should we move on? Yeah, yeah, we better add. We'll, we'll, in part two, we'll talk about why you're an expert in uh, airplane crashes. Okay. Yeah, but uh, it's, is there anything that you think like the audience need to know? Because you've already told us about where not to sit. Yeah. Is there anything else? Anything else you can do to help protect yourself? Yeah. Don't fly at night. Don't fly at night? Yeah. All right. Because there are loads of plane crashes at night, and if the instruments cock up, which they do on occasion, um, the pilots don't have any frame of reference. So there was a flight that flew into the Everglades um, because it was pitch black over there, um, and they didn't realise that they'd turned the... They'd they'd bumped the... um, the, What's that bit called? (laughs) Oh, your autopilot thing. Yeah, they'd, they'd bump... They'd, what, what was the yoke, they'd bump... Edit this bit out. Eggs. <laughs> so, the, the pilots didn't realise that they'd bumped the yoke of the plane, which actually, um, it turned off part of the autopilot. What's a yoke? It's the steering column. Oh, OK. There we the go. the plane. So, they'd bumped that, which turned off part of the autopilot, which meant that the plane gradually descended, and because they were busy trying to fix a light on the landing gear, nobody realised... They weren't keeping an eye on what was going on, and it crashed into the Everglades, and about two thirds of the passengers lived. All the crew, all the pilots died, and then they salvaged. And because it, it was this was at night time, so the, it's pitch black. There's no lights. The Everglades. There's no there's no buildings. There's no lights. So they've got no frame of reference. So um, and the best thing about this story is um, they used some of the parts of this airplane in other airplanes. Oh no! And they became haunted and loads of the staff of Eastern Airlines, which is now defunct in America, even the vice president saw this because he was flying, he was flying first class, so he gets to go on the, he gets to go on the airplane first before any of the passengers. Yes. And he sees this pilot and he starts talking to this pilot and he seems like solid and real. <laughs> and then he realises it was the dead guy from the pre... And there were about... There were dozens and dozens and dozens of sightings. Multi- like, Three people all seeing the same thing, or a passenger going, excuse me, this, this pilot next to me, he doesn't look very well and he won't speak to me. And when the stewardess goes to talk to him, he literally disappeared into thin air. And like things like that happened. They were cancelling flights because people were freaked out. And there were so many sightings. In the end, Eastern Airlines went, anybody else reports any more sightings because it's really bad PR, you'll be fired. So all they right. Stopped, they stopped, um, they stopped uh, reporting the sightings. But in the end, Eastern Airlines took these parts out of the planes and it all stopped. So, there are actually ghost planes. Well, there was one. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a ghost plane. And there's a, there's a TV film called um, the, the Ghost of Flight 401, because it was Flight 401. Yeah. 
And, um, and another nighttime flight that went wrong was um, Air France 447, which was Rio to de Janeiro to Paris. Do you remember that one? No. It, went, it disappeared in the middle of the Atlantic in 2009. Um, and that was, they cocked that up when they, that was flying at night. Because they, and again, no frame of reference. See, like the Pico tubes outside, which measure, they measure airspeed. They're hollow tubes on the outside of a plane. And because they're hollow, the air rushes in. So that measures airspeed. Yeah. If your airspeed goes too low, you'll 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 stall because the the magic on the wings stops working basically. Okay. So these tubes had frozen, and they were giving different readings. The computer in the plane just went mental, and um, if it'd been daytime, they'd have been able to say, "Okay, we are still flying." They needed to just keep flying the plane and ignore the readings because they didn't trust their instruments at this point. And um, yeah, so nighttime they it just stalled and landed in the sea everyone oh, died women but, but there's loads of, there's loads and loads of nighttime crashes the, the moral that I'm getting from this is women shouldn't fly at night because it'll freeze your tubes <laughs> <laughs> exactly that and nothing else yeah. right, well we're going to have a little bit of a break and we'll come back for part two is that alright yeah So we're back for part two of Mr. Badger Talks to Utter Scum. And I'm here with my good friend Susan Murray. I've got it right this time. Oh, well I? done. I know. You're so flattered now. I well, I, I wanted to be um, a professional with you because you are what what is called a big comedian, aren't you? You're a big man. Are you saying I'm fat? Yes. Right, oh, thanks. <laughs> this is called negging. <laughs> this is... Uh... <laughs> My 16-year-old friends, uh, I say friends, they taught me that this is what you do if you want to... It's a young person speaking, it negging. I mean, in like yeah. in our layman's terms, it's just sort of called being a bit of a dick. This is it, yes. I have been called that many, many times. <laughs> so, but now you're a, a, big, a big comedian, and I understand that this work that we're doing at the moment, uh, this, this podcast, it's, yeah. it's to do with your upcoming show, isn't it? I'm doing a show called How Not to Die in a Plane Crash. Um, it's a Convenient. Whole, yes, it's a whole show about um, obviously plane crashes and how to survive them, yeah. and uh, little bits of, like interesting information, all wrapped up in dark jokes. And um, I'm doing it at Leicester Comedy Festival on the 15th of February at ten past eight. 15th of February, 2020. So the day after Valentine's Day. Yeah. You're going to talk about dead people on planes. Absolutely. <laughs> Why not? Roman- romance isn't dead, it just smells that this way. This is it! <laughs> and then in March, I'm doing it um, at the Glasgow Comedy Festival on the 22nd. Yes. Um, at the end of March, I'm doing the Lawn Festival in Wales. And then in April, I'm doing Bath Comedy Festival. In May, I'm doing Brighton Comedy Festival. And then I might have a lie down after that. I was going to say. Tired. <laughs> that's that's a, Are you going to be going on planes for any of those fucking gigs? <laughs> God. Yeah, I'm flying to Glasgow actually. Because how ironic would it be? Oh, I know, I know. Yeah. Oh, dear. God, I, I don't think I'd ever get on a plane again, to be honest, if I well, knew all this Well, do you know what? I actually had to go on a fear of flying course because I wasn't doing any gigs abroad because I didn't want to fly. Um, and I thought, do you know what? I need to do it anyway, and I need to do it as research for the show. Yeah. And, um, and I sat next to this woman, and she was a claustrophobic vegan therapist oh god meaning that she was scared of small spaces um meat and proper jobs yeah <laughs> although to be fair we are comedians so uh... well exactly well you know like, <laughs> you know calling the kettle black and all that business oh, you can't do that anymore they've, they've oh, stopped that's true. that yeah yeah, yeah but my... it was it was a useful course it was really it, and it really did help me i mean i still shit it a bit 
Yeah. But um, I'm not as petrified. You know, I just crap myself during the takeoff and the landing because they're the most dangerous parts of any any flight. Yeah. As, as I'm sure you, so, you, our listeners know. When you're in the air, that's when you're safe. Unless somebody's put a bomb on there. But, you know, it's, security's quite high these days, so there probably won't be another, another Lockerbie. A Lockerbie? Lockerbie. What's that? Uh, that was when the, apparently, Libyans put a, um, put a bomb on a plane that had come from Hamburg. They changed it to Heathrow, and then it was flying to New York. Mm. It was just before Christmas. Or was it just after? It was around that time, anyway. And um, because the plane was delayed... The bomb went off when the plane was over Scotland in Lockerbie. Yeah. Um, but it was actually meant to go off halfway over the Atlantic, but because there was a delay in the plane, that's why it went off over Lockerbie. And actually, it wasn't the Libyans that put it on there. Um, who was it? I can't remember now. But I looked into the, the, all the theories about it, and the guy who was done for it was... Um, apparently that was a bit of a whitewash. And even the priest of Lockerbie Town thinks this guy is innocent, and he was like the fall guy. And this bomb was actually a retaliation for when the Americans absolutely sh- accidentally shot down an Iranian um, civilian aircraft um, about eight, six months before it. Well, without going into uh, conspiracy theories and Americans, I take it you've got a, your own view on 9-11, have you? Um, not really. No? No, it's just... It's just I don't mention it in the show because it's just... It's, it's a touchy subject. It's too big and it's too horrific. And a woman with my name was in the towers that died. Because um, Stuart Lee, <laughs> Lee once sent me an email with lots and lots of different Susan Murrays <laughs> from all over the world. And one of them had died in like 9-11. He's mental. He was working in Germany at the time. He was really bored one night and couldn't sleep. But, um, so no, I don't, I don't, I don't touch on it. I just kind of <laughs> conveniently gloss over 9-11. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, what was the other recent, I say recent... What was all about the depressed pilot who flew his plane into oh, a the mountain? Oh, the German wings guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was, he was like, he was hiding his mental illness from his bosses because you get grounded for stuff like that, don't you? And the thing is, I mean, just like, do you know what? Fair enough, be depressed. Fair enough, be suicidal. But why would you fucking murder three hundred yes. innocent people, men, women, and children? You absolute! I don't care how fucking depressed you are. You evil fucking cunt. Exactly. Yeah, and it's well, it's nothing to do with him being a pilot. It's just to do with him being. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you do it? Yeah. Why would you do it, Susan? Well, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a theory. Right. Here's your, here's how you can check if your pilot's suicide because you have no idea, do you? <laughs> you can't read his mind. Even you can't read his mind, Mr. Badger. Right. So what you do when you get to the top of the stairs? Because we're all on budget flights, aren't we? We're all go, We're not going on a fucking air walkway. We're all up the stairs, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Lean towards the cockpit, right? And you just sing in quite a loud voice, mana mana. <laughs> and if they don't go, do 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 do, get off that plane. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unless they've never heard of the Muppets, because. Come on, who hasn't heard of the Muppets? Well, this is ridiculous. Now, this is another genuine fact. Just to show my age, I was chatting to somebody, a younger comedian, and they're on about. They wondered what the fittest profession was. You know, what would make you the, the fittest person? And I said, well, you can't get fitter than a quick fit fitter. And they looked at me completely blankly because that has not been on TV for 15 fucking years. Do you know, my friend is married to a Swedish bird and he lives in Sweden now and apparently fitter is Swedish for cunt. Oh, so when that advert yeah. was on in the 90s, she would just be howling laughing. Yeah, oh, lovely. So if I ever meet somebody from Sweden, I, I should not say, you look very fit. <laughs> Definitely not. No. Although, to be fair, I'm more likely to just call somebody a cunt. So. Well, okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, what what other sort of things would you like to talk about that, that are in your show? 
what other things are in my show? Yeah. Um, what else? Because is it all just plain deaths? Are there any happy stories in there? I do soul survivors. There's no. a group of men called the soul survivors that is there? know one of our comedy chums quite well. The wrong one, that guy. Yeah. Right, okay, I don't know anything about I was going to say, because the, 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 the hunters, as we would call them, were called the soul survivors. So God. that's an unf- Vigilante lunatics, great. Never do, your, never do that show in Birmingham and mention soul survivors. <laughs> I've already done it and I've already done that. Oh, fuck. Yeah, it tends to be children. So I think, you know, if you have, like they were saying, assume the crash position and it's always head down kind of between your knees or holding onto the seat in front of you. I would literally curl up into a fetal ball on my seat if I was going to crash. Yeah. Because sole survivors tend to be children because they're physically smaller. So they don't lose limbs or legs or and bleed uh, out type thing. Yeah. Oh, fucking hell. I suppose the main thing is, though, if, if you're in a plane and it's going to crash... You're probably fucked anyway. I mean, if it's a catastrophic crash like that, you probably. Are. But even when, even when that plane, there was one where um, it was a Japanese airline. Or was it Chinese? Anyway, they flew into a Japanese mountain, but the bulkhead at the back. The safest place to sit is near the back. Um, that exploded because it had been repaired. Instead of one circle of rivets, instead of two circle of rivets, it was one circle of rivets. There's a, they'd done the maintenance wrong. So that caused um, decompression, and it meant that all the hydraulics were snapped. So it meant the plane was completely uncontrollable. Yeah. So they sort of like slalomed for ages up and down, um, and hit a Japanese mountain, and four people survived that. Bloody hell! Yeah. Uh, so, is there any other aeroplane stories you'd like to leave us on? Oh, there's just—I mean, there's there's millions really. There's there's so many. Um, oh. I say, is there a happy story? A nice well, one? Well, yeah, there are soul survivors, but they tend to be like, you know, a little girl survived and her mum died type thing. Oh, fucking there, was, there, was a, there, was a, there was a German girl who, um, she was flying with her mum. Her parents were both biologists in the... Does that mean they do both sexes? That's exactly what it is. It's yeah. nothing to do with animals or the study of animals. It was, yeah, they <laughs> nah. were ornithologists and biologists. The orny ones, yeah. Yeah, zoologists. Mm. And, um, oh, no, you can't do that. <laughs> Depends what you do to them. Just watching them, that's fine. <laughs> Voyeurism, it's all right. Yeah. But um, her plane um, came down over Peru because the pilot flew into a, a thunderstorm, which is not you're not meant to do. So she came to in the jungle. She was the only survivor that she she couldn't see anyone around her, and she walked out of the jungle on a broken knee for eleven days, like walking like through piranhas and. But because she knew she kind of was raised in a different bit of the jungle. Um, she kind of knew how to read animals and all this kind of stuff so she was able to sort of get herself out of the jungle and 11 days she walked out of that jungle and she she told them where she, she'd landed and by the time they found the actual plane wreckage because it was so dense they were searching for it because because it's a jungle it's really dense you can't see the ground um loads of people had survived the crash but actually because it took them so long to find them they'd all died by the time they found them <laughs> Oh man! Just getting eaten by fucking local wildlife. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, basically. But she, um, yeah, but she, she survived that. And um, there was um, a young French girl. She survived. Oh yeah. Uh, and her plane crashed into the sea at night. Oh. And she survived that um, by clinging onto wreckage for thirteen hours Jesus. until they found her. And other people had survived, but as as the night went on, the screams and the shouting got less and less and less. And she was the only survivor. Of that one. It must be impossible to find a floating nugget in the middle of the sea, if you know what I mean. Well, that's why you should always stay with the wreckage. 
So, yeah, if you stay close to the wreckage, you're yeah, more likely because to get... Because you can spot the wreckage easier, can't you? If you're in a desert or polar region, stay with the wreckage, man. Don't go walking off. Yeah. There's no point. <laughs> no, I suppose like, they are going to know that a plane hasn't turned up. They're not just going to go, oh, fucking never mind. Yeah. Crack on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like the highways agency, they wouldn't give a shit, would they? Well, yeah, that's, that's highways agency is the swear word of the uh, UK comedian, isn't it? They're just dirt. They're just, I mean... <laughs> They are so bad at their jobs. They they close off entire swathes of the country in the middle of the night, right? And all, most crashes, most fatal crashes occur at about three o'clock in the morning. Yes. Because when you're the most tired, because you should be in your fucking bed, right? You shouldn't be driving back from work, which is what we do. So when you're you're most tired, they 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 close the road and then they put these signs. Oh, they don't put the signs up. That's the point. Yeah. So he puts those signs up. Half a job, Bob. <laughs> he runs out halfway through. He can't be bothered. Or they'll put a diversion sign. Or you know, and then you get two diversions across each other. Yeah. And you you put a diversion sign, and and there's a little symbol like a, a circle or a square or a triangle. Yeah. And you're one of them, but but it's so small on the sign you haven't noticed it, and you're half asleep. So it's really stressful. It's really dangerous. And um, on their head be lots of our deaths at some point. Yeah. Do you know, do you know the person who was in charge of the highways agency it was Chris Grayling? And the actual CEO of the highways agency was trained in aeronautical stuff, not roads. He's in the wrong industry for a start. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember his name now. But, well, yeah, so well, that's a nice little loop, I suppose, really, isn't it? We're back yeah. onto... Uh, yeah, back onto aeroplanes. Although I have to put it to you, Susan, after chatting to you for quite a while and find out how excited you are by plane crashes. Yeah. Are you causing them? Uh, Are you doing this just for material for your show? I'm not causing plane crashes. How could I possibly cause a, pra- a plane crash? You, you know exactly how to cause a fucking plane crash. That's the problem. <laughs> You're like Kaiser Sose. <laughs> I think it's just fascinating. Do you know what it is? Do you know genuinely what it is? It's always good to know that somebody's having a much worse day than you. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. And that, that's, how shit, that's how shit my life is. I, just, I, can't, I can't feel good about it unless I'm watching someone having a much, much worse time than is me. This is why you've come to a run-down old caravan in Shropshire with a masturbating badger. And this is the highlight of my week. That's the sad thing about yeah, it. Yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> oh, it's been lovely having you on my show. To, oh, thank you very Talking much. about death. <laughs> it's, um... I did let a few people know where I was coming, so I said, you know, if I'm not back by, you know, in half an hour, Send out a search party. Yeah, well, that's it. Although I do tend to, like, you might have noticed a bit of rumbling. We actually have, have moved locations, so uh, oh, uh, good oh, luck finding your car. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> is, is there anything you'd like to plug while you're here? Other than your show, obviously, February 15th, wasn't uh, it? February 15th at the KL Restaurant um, at Leicester Comedy Festival. You can Google that. Um, I'm on social media at that Susan Murray uh, on Twitter. Susie Murray on Instagram, and you can find me on Facebook. I'm on all, all the usual stuff. Um, I also run a gig in uh, North East London called the Red Imp Comedy Club, and I have lots of big names. Um, do Bobby you... Daffro. Do you know what? I've actually got his phone number in my phone. <laughs> Wonderful. Because he's friends with another comedian friend of mine, and I was thinking of booking him, and I didn't in the end. I couldn't. The dates didn't work out, but I did text him and he did reply. He was very nice. Do you know the big comedian that lives around here, and I can't get him to to gig with me? Who? Russ Abbott. Generally lives just down the road. Do you know what? You probably uh, does he? Did he ever do live? I guess, I guess he, he must did. have done live yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah. He doesn't need the money, does he? No, and he, he doesn't he's need nearly 80. on a Thursday night. Well, no, well. Yeah, but it's more that I, I, because of the celebrities from the 70s and 80s, it's 
not finance that I offer them. I offer them other services. Uh, oh. Hard drive wipes. Lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> a big magnet. Doesn't Joe, yes. doesn't Joe Brand's mum live around here or something? I don't Joe know how funny she is, to be fair. I think she's got kind of Shropshire, Shropshire <laughs> connections, but I could be wrong. Well, yeah, I get like... Um, Big name comedians who are then they're generally doing tour warm ups so like Andy Parsons, Stuart Lee. I've got Kerry Godleyman on. I've got Shappy Kush Andy on this week. Um, so Red Imp Comedy Club, and that's like a monthly, sometimes more than once a month. So and in July I have like a, a whole preview season, which is like three solid weeks. And yeah. then I've got people like Marcus Brigstock, uh, oh. Josie Long, Arthur Smith, Bridget Christie, uh, Robin Inslee, supporter Simon Monnery, Stephen K Amos. Angela Barnes, uh, Joe Caulfield, Paul Foote. Paul Foote, I like Paul Foote He's a lot. Great, isn't he? I mean, yes. they're all good, and I've still got more to be confirmed that I can't actually read out, so I don't want to see <laughs> these people. Oh, fantastic. Um, so it's Red um, Imp Comedy. Yeah, Red Imp Comedy Club, and that's in Walthamstow in North East London. Is that to do with your hair? Because it is very red. I am the Red Imp. Ah, right. named, I'm such a narcissist, I named it after myself. <laughs> That's why my comedy club is called Drunken Paedophile Comedy Club. Oh, is it really? Yeah, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody would trust me with booking a gig. So, uh, no, it's been lovely to have you on, Susan. Um, I hope to catch your show, because hopefully I'll be in Leicester myself at some point. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Yeah, so uh, hopefully I'll catch your show. And, uh, right, I'll, res- I'll reserve you a set. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> No, thank you very much for coming all the way to Shropshire. I will drive you back to your car now. And, Are you sure? Uh, yeah, well, Can somebody ring the police? <laughs> well, there's only my mother and she's part of the gang, so... Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll speak to you soon, Susan. Thanks a lot. Bye. <laughs>